hear me from the back? Good. Okay. Is it okay? Okay. Okay. Og det er altså kan bidan bidan bjørn i dag så gør vi bjørn bjørn mange. Så Sarah says he's just going to repeat what he says at the end of every retreat. Der er bare en ja bjørn mange så bjørn mange. Du siger du ved du ved du siger du ved du ved bjørn bjørn så kan bjørn ikke bjørn ikke bare bjørn. Sådan og sådan og he said because. Men jeg er bjørn der <laughs> so it's because it's his responsibility to tell us this and his teacher used to do that too every time he would go home from a retreat his teacher would say when you get home keep practicing keep practicing but he said he never did <laughs> but then when he got into big trouble he said finally one day He got around to doing what his teacher told him to do, and practiced at home. And when he really began to practice at home, and he began to do it um, persistently, consistently, and over a long period of time, he says then he began to understand the nature of practicing the dharma of meditation. And what he really understood was that you can't stop practicing the dharma. You need to always practice the dharma. Because in the end, Siyadu says, our mind is made up of just two qualities in general. Wholesome qualities and unwholesome qualities. Yeah. He says so we always have to cultivate the wholesome, practice the wholesome qualities of mind so that they're there because if the wholesome minds are not are not what's taking place, then it's the unwholesome minds that will take that place. And he says when we forget to um, keep cultivating wholesome qualities of mind, Seattle says not only do the whole unwholesome qualities start to take their place, they start to grow. They start to multiply. And then life starts to become busy, complicated, boiling, <laughs> <laughs> he said boiling and messy. That's what he used. And it's not that we can't live that way. Not that we can't let the mind be noisy and messy and and all that. He says because we have lived like that before. He said, and there are many people who live like that. But he says the difference becomes when we know that it's like that and we didn't really, re- really realize it, it is like that. He says, and when we know it's like that, he says we start to have a choice to decide. Whether we want to live life. We start to have the choice to decide whether we want to live life peacefully in a balanced way, 
whether we want to live life, whether we want a stable life, a mature mind, a meaningful life. He says that becomes a choice we have. Yeah, and that's why right from the beginning he said the practice of meditation is the cultivation of the wholesome qualities of our mind, growing the wholesome qualities of the mind. And some yogis ask him, until when must we keep practicing this way? Uh, When do we, when can we stop? And Siado's answer is, always check your mind. If whenever you come across events, situations, persons, the experiences of our lives, he says, check to see what the mind's response is. Is it wholesome or unwholesome? And if every time we have an experience, our response to it is wholesome, Siado says, then we are there. So he says the whole pattern of our minds will become upside down. He says if we look at our our mental reactions and responses now so often, he says we see something, uh, we experience something and our instant reactions can be um, aversion or craving, aversion or craving. <laughs> he says our awareness is crawling to catch up, crawling to catch up with the reactions that we have. <laughs> he says there's a reaction, let's go after it, oh, all, on all fours, still crawling. <laughs> He says awareness isn't there first. It's not first on the block. It's always the others. He says, in our lives, there are our mental actions, our verbal actions, and our bodily actions, but everything is led from the mind, the mental actions, they come first. And he says, our mind, the what we call mental actions, he says, it's like a process. Our whole life is basically um, the process the unfolding process of the mind doing its work. He says, and what we're trying to do is in that unfolding of the mental processes that are happening, we're trying to include, include sati, samadhi, and panya. Awareness, stability of mind, and wisdom. We want those to be a part of the process of the unfolding of the mind. Uh, so there's so much to understand, Siado says, so we can do lots of practice, there's lots to discover and lots more to do.
And we don't have to aim high, Siado says. We don't have to look far. He says, in the moment, every moment of awareness brings benefit. In the moment of awareness, there are so many things that the mind is um, better at, relieved of. Um, and he says, we can understand those benefits if we look in every moment of mindfulness. He says the reason he got around to practicing at home is because he began to see that when he was mindful, he had some relief. When he was not mindful, his mind was sick, depressed, upset. Mm -hmm. Suffering. And he understood that deeply one day, a, a couple of months after, uh, into trying to be mindful daily. Um, and that, that deep understanding that every moment of mindfulness really is a relief from suffering, um, from the suffering that his mind was un going through. He said that that set him on the path to never looking back. Sarah says, every one of us want life to become smooth. We want things to fall into place. We want things to work out. And practicing the Dharma helps us achieve that. But how does it help us achieve that, Seattle says? It's not that the experiences in our lives will start aligning themselves to our desires and wishes. It's not that everything will start becoming perfect or just the way we want it to be. Seattle says, Things still happen the way they do. Experience remains experience and it has its own mind. It just does what it does. It doesn't change. But this mind becomes... Yeah. People won't change. Situations won't change. Circumstances won't change or might not change. But Seattle says this mind will change. This mind and the way it views experience will change, can change. And this mind becomes more accepting and less suffering. Yes. And this mind not only starts to react less unskillful, uh, react unskillfully less, <laughs> Wait. not only starts to react more skillfully, okay. um, it also starts to act with wisdom. So Seattle wants to give an example. He had an accident one day in Burma. Right attitude. Huh? And do you see the scar on his head? Nike. Nike huh? It's right. like a tick. The <laughs> Nike swoosh. It looks like that. This is a right attitude. He says that's a sign of the right attitude. Yeah. Yeah. 
He says when he had the accident, he was sitting in the passenger seat, um, you know, in the front of the car. He hit his, uh, well, Burma didn't have seat belts in those days. <laughs> so he he uh, lunged forward and he, f- he hit his head on the windscreen. The uh, windscreen cracked. He cracked his head. And um, he says, he remembers clearly that all he thought of was, okay, it's broken. I can feel it. There's blood coming down. Um, and he thought, what's the nearest clinic or hospital to this place? He only thought of what next to do. And um, yeah. he, he had no interest in knowing who hit the car, why the car got into the accident, how it happened. He said it wasn't, it didn't make any difference to the situation. What was important was to move forward with what to do next. And his mind was very clear. So he didn't feel traumatized. Uh, he went to hospital quite cheerful and happy. <laughs> his, his brothers came and he was talking and joking with them. Um, but he was very clear. He says his mind didn't feel any sort of um, residue from that. Yeah. He says, and he was surprised. He said he was surprised at the way his mind reacted. It wasn't something he planned. It wasn't something he thought, you know, when something happens like that, I will react in this way. It just happened because the habit of the mind, whenever it's being aware of objects, is not to judge them or react to them, but to keep being aware and, you know, just knowing what to do next, which is probably just to be mindful next. <laughs> yes. Or if there's a need, then you know how to act. Sierra says, if we look at us ordinarily, you know, something happens like an accident and we start to think about what happened rather than what shall we do. We, you know, um, he says we will uh, analyze the situation. We will um, think about it. We'll talk about it over and over again. We will (laughs) complain about it. And he says, and it's not really important. It doesn't help that much. We have to move forward. And he says, how much does it relieve the mind? Tons. He says, when we are busy having reactions to what is happening, he said it takes up so much of the energy of the mind and it blunts our understanding of how to move forward. So, the power of the mind is So he says that's just like a a simple practical example of how practicing the Dharma helps things to become smooth in our life. It's not that things won't happen. It's not that, you know, we won't get into an accident or something bad won't happen. But we know how to move forward clearly with clarity. Not uh, judging. 
We begin to differentiate what's important and what's incidental. So that He says, so that's an example. He said it's like his advertisement for practicing the Dharma. <laughs> He's a Dharma advocate. He says, why can we practice the Dharma in, on retreat but find it difficult to practice at home or more difficult at home? He says, he tells us all the time. Anybody remembers what he says about why we find it practiced, yeah. difficult to practice at home? <laughs> what? Yes, why? <laughs> Tell. I practice now. Oh, okay, okay. Everything on retreat, he says, we look at everyone, everyone's on retreat, and he says, everything supports practice. We think about practice, we talk about practice, and we practice. <laughs> And he says, our intention when we go on retreat, the whole plan is to practice. Already that's there. Right? right? Now when we go home, what is our plan? Eat chocolate. <laughs> Eat chocolate. Yeah. He said, we start thinking about all the things we're going to do. We have all these plans. I need to do this. I need to do that. Where is practice? Where's the I need to practice? Yeah, he says, so the whole idea that we bring home to, to our home, to our lives, is so different from the idea that we bring to a retreat. <laughs> and nothing on retreat belongs to me. I, I'm, I don't own any of this. And where are we returning to? My home. My home, my family, my job. And he says, Here comes everything mine. He said, Everything I see and hear belongs to me. Seattle says, So you know how he defines my home? My home is the place that all the unwholesome minds are allowed to <laughs> roost, have a party. <laughs> he says, at home, we've, put, we've filled our homes with everything we desire. We've taken out everything we don't like from our homes. Now, <laughs> 
Ultimately, Sierra says, we even just keep the people we want in our homes and we don't invite anyone we don't like to our homes. <laughs> and so what do you think happens every time we see these lovely objects that belong to me? He says, you don't have to try to practice. If you see this, every moment you see this, you are practicing the Dhamma. Not Dhamma, Sorry. <laughs> he says, you are practicing. He said, you are practicing. Every time we see this, he says, we are practicing. I thought as in like, if you see this reality, but he meant as in like, when we see it with our ordinary eyes and think of it as ours and how we can, you know, try to create our homes. He says we are practicing and what we are practicing is our Dhamma. We are not the, practicing the, the Dhamma. Is practicing. Yes, yeah. The, yeah, the unwholesome minds are practicing. The greed and the aversion. Yeah. 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 says the greed and the aversion are already active. They're already in operation. And he says, you know, the, the, the only difference that we can make to it is to be aware of it. Because whether we are aware of it or not, the unwholesome will operate. But he says when we are not aware of it, the operation is faster, harder, stronger. Yeah. And he said, you know, the very nature of delusion, when we don't know it, he said it's going to be really strong, intense, the delusion. But recognizing it, being aware of it, knowing it, Siyadu says, that makes delusion pause a little bit. If he's like, I'm seeing. He says, you, you sort of get to pinch it a little before it dives into the water. <laughs> you get to try and catch it a bit. He says, he says, delusion just dives deep into the darkness of the water. But having some awareness, having some recognition of what's happening, we put the brakes on. We're trying to pull it back. Uh, And he says how deceptive delusion is. He said, notice how when we live with our families and we are harmoniously together, we're with people we love, friends we love, and we enjoy ourselves, there is no recognition of the fact that this might change. And when, we, when it changes, we lose a friend, we lose family, in whatever way, Seattle says the, the reaction of the mind so the is intense. Some people become, yeah, get unhinged, they cannot deal with the, the, the difference, they cannot deal with the fact that they can't have that happiness, that it's no longer there. It really sets the mind off. And he says what it reveals to us is how much delusion covers, how much delusion hides, not, not just what it's hiding, but all the effects of it. It's hiding everything from us. Yeah. Theodore says, even if we are 
attached to people, and we are. Seattle says, at least recognizing the attachment, we can be somewhat prepared. It's better than being totally attached and totally unaware. He says, we, when we live daily with these attachments, unaware that the attachments are growing and, you know, operating in the mind, and he says, then the opposite happens. We can't have that attachment. It's pulled away. It's stripped from us. He says, the mind just explodes like a bomb. It can't take it. He said he notices this in fun- at funerals. He says people cry so much. People have fits during weddings. They, they sob. They're without, you know, they're besides the, beside themselves. It's not possible to comfort them. And we might be practicing the Dhamma, we might have some wisdom, and we still suffer, Seattle says, we still suffer. When when his parents passed away, um, more or less they passed away in front of his father, in front of him, Um, he took his last breath while he was there. His yeah, his his mother passed away just a few minutes before he arrived because it was quite early in the morning. Um, but yeah, he said he he was prepared. He knew they were going to go, and the mind saw this as a natural thing, something that needed to happen. Yeah. yeah, he says when his father was on his deathbed and he was watching, he said he, he watched the whole process with interest. He wanted to know when does it end? When does a person's life finally, when do you know that it's over? Yeah. Just that, you know, Sierra says, if we understand that this is nature, then the mind doesn't react so badly to it. Understanding what is nature is nature, Sierra says, that gives the mind a lot of relief. Sierra says, so... This retreat might be over, but another retreat is beginning, the home retreat. And that's the real retreat. That's the long-term retreat. This is just a training camp. He says, home retreat is where you're going to be practicing, really. ก็ว่าเลยมั้ยไอ้ไม่ใช่ตามมาหรอกมันก็จุกจ่าหรอกเลยมั้ยอารมณ์สรุปว่าปวนเนี่ยอายุเนี่ยเนี่ยมีอะ
when we go home, he says it's going to be like beginning a retreat. It's not going to be great. We're not going to have continuous mindfulness. The samadhi won't be great. The wisdom isn't great. He says, but we just gather it day after day, just like on retreat. Um, and he said it won't be as quick as on retreat. But he says, you know, if you consider at home, we actually go through similar motions every day. Every day is more or less routine. And if you think of this, Yadav says, it means that we, we, see, we like walk the same path, we meet the same people, we uh, do the same tasks, we have the same objects, mostly, again and again. So that's really, the, that regularity is a good, like, way to help the mind to be uh, to practice mindfulness because he says if we have problems with these things and we face them every day every day we can learn a little lesson every day we can um, consider how to be fresh with it how to bring mindfulness to it and slowly Siara says surely you will learn and you will be able to apply yourself to it do you like that look just do it daily. Don't look far ahead, Sierra says. Live just that one day at a time. So one day is not much, he said. If we think ahead, Sierra says, it feels like a lot. Like this low man, or less than you man. Yes. Oh, don't tell me. Now me, dear, dear, dear. So, Sarah says. Chini daimare, I told them. Yeah. Chini daimare, I told me. Yeah. Be ayong daimare, I told them. Yeah. He says, so every day, he says, we will practice. And then we'll reflect on our practice. And then we'll strategize for our next day's practice. And then, you know, that's how we continue day after day. Um, and he says, Every day we will learn a little bit about each, you know, we challenge ourselves day after day to, to improve in like being mindful in a certain situation or with certain objects. And then Siara says slowly we expand our repertoire. So first we become skillful at some um, objects, like maybe we become skillful at always becoming uh, mindful whenever we walk, wherever we walk. And then, you know, we start to, recognize seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, when eating. So we start to slowly bring in each thing so that we become versatile in our mindfulness. Uh, now, Thay-nay-ye, Shao-nay-ye, daily activity-ye, I took the sitting to go on, to go on, to get to the point where, to get to the point where it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're eating or talking or sitting, meditation or walking or working, to get to the point where our mind's quality is the same in all these. Um, Sierra says that takes a lot of practice and dedication. But, but he doesn't want us to, I mean, he, he tells us the result to like give us a hook. But he doesn't want us to focus on the results because it can bring despair. So he says, 
be more focused on actually doing the practice. Be happy with the process of practicing. Reward yourself for practicing, you know. Um, like recognize that awareness is happening. That's more important. He says, practicing at home. Yeah, practicing at home is more fun, Seattle says, because, you know, um, it's like more free. Everything is like doing its own thing. And so there's more of a challenge. And if we're up to the challenge, he says, the, the fight is harder. But the win is more satisfying. <laughs> yeah, Seattle says, like, you know, we might say be very sad at home and we, you know, work with our sadness and everything. And when we understand and get through it, Seattle says it gives a lot of satisfaction to the mind. Yeah. <laughs> And then the, the more we have little episodes like that, Seattle says, the more we begin to understand the value of practicing and the value of mindfulness and the more we want to keep working ตุ้มไม่มาขอกันโอ้เดี๋ยวพี่เลยไอ้ว่าตุบาเปียวเลยตุ้มไม่มาหลังมีมีบาเปียวล่ะตุ้มไม่มาเปียวเปียวไอ
So Sierra says his advertisement is over. He would like us to take heart. He says we may not be mindful all day long or continuously, but however you are mindful, whenever you are mindful, please do that every day, every day, and you will see it grow. Please do that. Okay. Sad, sad, sad. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.